This is Asia's Farm to Fork Five Good Questions podcast, bringing you insights and views from across Asia's food value chain. Now for today's interview. Hi, everybody. I'm Duke Kip, host of Asia's Farm to Fork Five Good Questions podcast, and we've got a great guest with us today, Mr. Fitrian Ardenshaya. He's executive chairman and founder for Yayasan IDH in Indonesia, as well as country representative of IDH, the Sustainable Trade Initiative in Malaysia as well. Hi, Fitrian. How are you? I'm good. Uh, thank you for having me, uh, Duke, and uh, I hope you are well as well. Yeah. If it's okay, we'll jump right into the, uh, the first question on our list. Hey, first thing I wanted to ask you about uh, is a topic that is increasingly relevant and uh, important for our region, as well as others, but certainly here in, in Southeast Asia, a climate change. Um, we're seeing, obviously, firsthand the increased number of droughts, floods, erratic weather here in the region. And it's a, unfortunately a harsh reality for everyone. Uh, the, the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, released a report earlier this year, got a lot of uh, notoriety, and it raised the fact that roughly 22% of worldwide greenhouse gas emissions in 2019 came from agriculture, forestry, and other land use sectors. So uh, with food production, is this sort of a wake-up call? Uh, maybe we're past wake-up call stage for that we have to do a better job with greenhouse gas emissions, particularly in food production and on the farm. Thank you, Duke. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. Um, it is uh, a critical time, not only for people uh, living in Asia, but I think as a global uh, or part of global citizens, uh, we have to contribute as much as we can uh, to uh, address climate change. Uh, if uh, we look at the pledges as well as commitments coming from different uh, countries, different parties at the global level at this point of time, uh, it is clear that they want to achieve or contribute to the achievement of 1.5 degrees centigrade to keep it at that level. Uh, of the increase of the earth temperature, in which, of course, we have to be able to address uh, within the sectors that we are now currently working in the agri, forestry, fishery uh, sectors in Asia uh, to ensure that whatever activities that we are doing uh, would first, of course, uh, lead to the improvement of uh, economic and livelihood of uh, the farmers, but of course, uh, contributing uh, to the emission reductions. We can do uh, much more in terms of um, adjusting uh, the cultivation methods, uh, for instance, by uh, avoiding uh, the expansions of the agricultural lands into forests, into peatlands, and different ecosystems uh, in which it will contribute uh, to a significant level of increase of the greenhouse gas emission. And of course, throughout the supply chains, whatever things that we can. Uh, reduce from uh, the activities that we are doing in terms of greenhouse gas emission. I think we have to do it. And I think this would then be uh, connected to the pledges coming from uh, the companies, big buyers, brands, and of course, governments to help climate change to be addressed. Nevertheless, uh, things that I think would be also crucial uh, at this point of time and also immediately in the near future that we need to focus much more is uh, to be able to develop system and work with farmers uh, and private sector partners, and of course, government to support the development of farmers' resiliencies. Because even with the uh, contributions to uh, mitigate or reduce emissions, uh, farmers across uh, Asia, and in particular Southeast Asia, will, uh, I will emphasize this, will face kind of uh, climate change impacts immediately already. So um, 
such examples in which we can contribute and help farmers or work with farmers to improve or build the resiliency, of course, uh, with regard to uh, the development of uh, farmer field level activities, you know, so farmers can understand much more about the shifting of the seasons, what sort of uh, seed and seedlings that are now uh, going to be able to face that kind of uh, climate change or climate variability inputs, uh, good agriculture practices that are quite compatible to climate change uh, and, and many others. Uh, I think uh, we also need to be able to support farmers in developing or strengthening their farmers' organizations, finding the right business model. So even with this kind of harsh uh, climate change uh, impacts, they can still at least survive and improve or maintain uh, their activities. Uh, I think that will be a, a good way to, you know, to address climate change. First, of course, contributing to greenhouse gas emissions. While doing so, we have to uh, support farmers to build their resiliency. Thank you, too. Yeah, no, thanks for that. It's a very thoughtful answer. I mean, that's I mean, that's what we hear from a lot of folks. It's, it's such a unique situation because of agriculture is, of course, it's one of the contributing factors. It's also one of the, one of the sort of the farmers, especially the victims in this all this and how they cope with all this. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the second question I wanted to maybe pivot from the climate change a bit and look, look into a larger topic that's impacted by climate change as well as other things, and that's food security and really food insecurity uh, here in Asia. Uh, I think in the second quarter of this year, the UN released its annual state of food security and nutrition in the world, the SOFI report. We all, we all wait to see every year. This year, uh, it was a particularly good for Asia. I think um, the number of people affected by hunger rose here in our region from 418 million to 425 million. And that means, again, that Asia leads the world when it comes to the number of people um, who are affected by or facing insecurity right um, around the world. So in addition to climate change, effects of COVID and now conflict in Europe, uh, world, world Food Program talks about those three Cs a lot, is really wreaking havoc on food systems uh, around the world, but here in Asia in particular. So all that to say, I'm, I'm wondering maybe any thoughts you have on you know, what steps can we be considering? Should regional policymakers be thinking about to help ensure food systems are more resilient, better able to deliver the food security that we're all striving for? Uh, yes, uh, Duke, absolutely. I mean, uh, it is clear that these are huge challenges, uh, not only for farmers, uh, producers, but countries uh, across Asia uh, to be able to be adaptive uh, to the recent challenges war in Europe. Uh, COVID, of course, not, uh, 19 is not yet you know, concluded or, or passed. Uh, so uh, I would say uh, with this kind of challenge, uh, uh, we also see uh, more and more opportunities to work together within the region that we are working now. I mean, if we can focus more on uh, inter-regional trading, investment, and exchanges, uh, I would say we can find some solutions uh, from within. Uh, of course, uh, not all solutions, but it is quite clear that uh, we can't depend so much on only uh, global market or global demand or global investment. And uh, as you know, um, demand uh, coming from Southeast Asian countries are also increasing. Demand from the neighboring countries. Uh, we got two big countries, I mean, India and China. They are also increasing. So uh, rather than only like uh, trying to meet the uh, demand coming from these countries or even domestically and regionally uh, in Southeast Asia, we can also ask for them to contribute back to support the development of better you know, supply, better uh, productivity, better sustainability of agriculture uh, in these uh, regions or in these areas. We can focus, for instance, on R&D, uh, research and development, uh, linking to climate change and also linking to the future uh, challenges. 
we have to find ways that uh, farmers in this region can utilize or cultivate something without utilizing much more uh, fertilizer or, in, or inputs. Otherwise, you know, the wars in Ukraine and, and, and uh, Russia, for instance, have uh, already um, uh, disturbed this balance of trade when it comes to uh, inputs for fertilizers. Uh, petrols, for instance, are, are quite uh, enormous in terms of the uh, costs uh, of the agriculture uh, productions in, in many countries in Southeast Asia. Can we also cultivate more without utilizing much more fossil fuel, uh, in, not only in the cultivation on the upstream, but also in the processing facility and the production sites? So I think R&D is important. We, can, uh, we have to find not only technology, or, but, but also better seed and seedling uh, practices that can help farmers and also producers uh, to reduce the kind of costs. Uh, we also need to increase, like I mentioned earlier, uh, supply uh, from these areas uh, without, of course, expansions. Uh, of course, then uh, we need to talk about productivity, but also linking directly to Asian markets. Uh, and can we also discuss uh, among different countries about better value offering? Uh, we, we we get more, uh, let's say, coming from Europe or North America. Uh, like, okay, if you produce something sustainable products, uh, we can provide uh, incentives like um, financial structuring, positive financial structuring, or let's say premium and, and so on and so forth. But in, in the context of Asian market, we haven't done so. So I think if we can like uh, exchange something along that line and uh, help with technical assistance, help with other supports, it, it would be great uh, to have uh, more and more uh, connection between South to South and Asian market and also Asian producers um, and I think the technical assistance uh, that can be provided for farmers coming from different uh, Southeast Asian and all, all also Asian markets can uh, directly focus on uh, key aspects that Asian farmers and also Asian producers are uh, facing as, as challenges like acceleration of land legality. So we can use technology like drones, satellite imageries to really map uh, the smallholders' areas, uh, input provisions, uh, financial support, and, and many others, I think. We got now also a, a critical mass of wealthy middle class of Asians also asking for a specific uh, sustainable products. Can we also connect this uh, to the uh, supply or productions of uh, uh, particular crops or commodities coming from uh, Asian uh, farmers or producers? Thank you. Yeah, that well, all makes sense. So we're touching on some really big issues here on right? climate change, food security, and you mentioned sustainability. Uh, and that's something I know is near and dear to your heart. So I'd like to maybe with another question get into that a little bit more deeply. Um, you know, there's this growing, of course, understandably so, it's a growing societal um, you know, interest in ensuring the food we eat um, is sustainable, right? It's produced sustainably, perhaps by concern for dwelling natural resources, greater awareness of the impact food production has in the world around us and other factors as well. And, uh, you know, but here in Asia, I know also it's hard to consider all of that without also considering the fact that you know, Asia is home to the largest number of smallholders in the world, the smallest size farms. And so it becomes this, you know, a very unique um, and uh, sort of a puzzle that, that requires a lot of uh, work and a lot of moving parts. So you're certainly in, in the area of, of more of an expert than, than most folks we have on here. I'd like to talk to you a bit about what do we need to be thinking about as far as the farmers in this region and how can they be successful what they're doing at the same time being good stewards and making good decisions about, you know, um, um, environmental issues. Thank you. Um... I see those challenges um, uh, when it comes to sustainability as also opportunities. Uh, I would still believe that um, when it comes to productivity, just this is an, an example, uh, many farmers can still achieve uh, or can still produce more in a sustainable way without 
uh, expansion so they can focus on the existing lands but they really need significant support uh, i would say i mean just to give you some examples um farmers in indonesia if you compare to neighboring countries like vietnam like producing coffee uh, what i know um many uh, small sized farmers in in indonesia can only produce robusta uh, up to 70 sorry 750 kg per hectare per year when in uh, vietnam they can uh, achieve up to 2 or 3 tons uh, per hectare per year so you know if you compare farmers to farmer there's still like a huge amount or discrepancies and we can help uh, farmers not only in indonesia but also in different countries in southeast asia that are facing those challenges uh, so they can produce more they can uh, produce also in a sustainable manner with that kind of significant support the first support in my view uh, would need to come from the government better policy better fiscal framework needs to be there needs to be crafted so that farmers uh, are being perceived that they are uh, put as priority uh, unlike uh, any other sectors uh, and then uh, like they they are really really being uh, supported uh, and uh, put an, as a center of growth of uh, the economic development and sustainable development of countries in asia otherwise nobody will want to become farmers uh, many farmers are already getting old so we have to really encourage that kind of thing and it only can start from uh, giving good policies uh, giving good uh, incentives uh, to farmers uh, with new technology with new system and and and, and the like The second support in my view would need to come from uh, the transformation or support for the transformation of the business models of farmers. Many farmers are still spread all over the countries are not being uh, crafted or clustered in a way so that they are stronger than before. So they need to get this kind of uh, support uh, to really develop let's say whether it, it is cooperative, uh, local companies that have uh, farmers as the share as the shareholders giving them more values more profits more benefits because i think in many ways farmers are also um, economic animals like like any other uh, businessman in the country so if they can't see any profits any benefits coming from the agriculture productivity they will not continue being farmers so uh, seeing is believing for them so we have to ensure that farmers organization uh, are being developed uh, leading to that kind of profitability uh, benefit uh, pr- pr- provisions and of course sustainability so farmers can reinvest in their um, farming cycle or the agricultural sectors uh, the two other supports that i think would be crucial because uh, uh, this has happened at the global level but not necessarily trickle down uh, to the farmers level or on the ground is support coming from big businesses or big brands or big companies because they have already put their pledges be it in the context of climate change productivity sustainability or what have you or sdgs for instance but this uh, would need to be translated more and more uh, to the local market local uh, supply chains and what have you so we can have this kind of things connected right away by for instance providing of taking guarantee providing uh, financial support directly providing technical assistance directly so the requirement from the big businesses can be translated and can be met, can be met by farmers uh, last but not least of course we need to develop much more partnerships because I don't think uh, any single entity or any single uh, organization or company can address this huge challenge so uh, partnerships among government donors investors to find better support better models uh, better intervention would be key and I think we we don't have to reinvent the wheel we just, we just have to see whatever things that are good and can 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 be run smoothly in the future we have to strengthen that well 
That's a great answer. And and as you as you're answering that question, I, I heard the word partnership come up a couple of times, and that really is what I wanted to get into next with this fourth question, if it's okay. You've had so much experience in collaborative work in this region around food production and working with a, a variety of different types of groups and organizations. So c- coming to that discussion, you know, can you speak to the importance of the, the public-private partnership you just you just raised specifically with improving food systems here in Asia? And maybe some ideas what progress has been made so far and what we should be aspiring to in the future. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, indeed. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, not a single actor or entity can work alone to help the transformations of this uh, agri-sector. Uh, it's huge uh, business. It's huge supply chain. And also it, it uh, requires huge amount of efforts from different entities to contribute uh, to the development and transformations of such sectors. So we need to work together. Uh, within IDH, for instance, we tried to be as simple as possible uh, to craft this PPP, what we call uh, public-private partnerships. Uh, of course, government is key to lead uh, the way in terms of uh, providing policy, providing system and umbrella framework. But within that framework, we usually uh, are crafting uh, what we call the triangle of uh, a business model uh, coming from one. The first one is aggregator, uh, juke, so aggregator meaning that you can't just directly work with individual farmers. There are so many individual individual farmers in, in South Asia or Asia, so you can't just work alone with them. So you have to find the best aggregators possible. Like I said, it could be cooperatives, it could be uh, local companies, it could be processing facility, it could be even traders. Uh, we can't just dismiss the traders. And then um, uh, once we found uh, these aggregators, we need to connect directly to what we call uh, off-takers uh, or, or buyers. Uh, so they can provide uh, of taking guarantee, buying agreement, uh, support for technical assistance to meet uh, certain uh, quality and sustainability standard. And then while doing so, also uh, connecting directly with what we call financiers. Uh, because to transform uh, business as usual to much more productive and sustainable uh, way uh, to do things, it will require tremendous amount of capital. Uh, first input financing would be required financing for uh, good agriculture practices or equipment. And of course, if we want to get uh, to uh, the level of rejuvenation or replanting, it is a huge amount of capital needed. So that kind of um, uh, triangle, uh, I would say uh, it's a necessary. So uh, with this kind of things, uh, then we can hopefully address uh, many challenges bit by bit. Uh, what we have to find ways now as soon as possible, not only accelerating such models, there are plenty of other good models as well, but also replicating this and magnifying this in different areas uh, across uh, Asia. Uh, just to give you an example, as my last, uh, let's say, um, point in this uh, regard, um, commercial investment uh, is key, like I mentioned earlier, uh, input financing, uh, replanting financing, but many banks and financial institutions may not be willing to invest in farmers because they have perceived farmers as a risky and risky actor and also risky business agriculture sector. So you need to get um, grant and technical assistance and a type of blended finance to really maturing uh, the activities or the business model of farmers up to the level uh, that the commercial uh, institutions or uh, financial institutions would be willing uh, to invest. But you can't just do things separately. So you have to bring together these donors, government, uh, NGOs, and even companies to provide that kind of grant and technical assistance, but linking directly to commercial transaction of commercial financial institutions, uh, portfolio pipeline. Without that, I think there will be uh, good things done, but in isolated way. So PPP in our, t- uh, in our uh, context, it is not like only concept. It needs to be translated. It has to be 
translated on ground, uh, but also linking to the big uh, components of uh, commercial investment and also trading or uh, you know buying uh, power coming from the brands. Thank you. Yeah. No, many things you raise, we, we've heard from others as well. That value has got to be there across the value chain and, and to get everybody to buy in and really um, move things forward. So that was a great answer. I'd like to maybe with this last question, uh, we've talked about so many of these challenges now and so many, you know, not, not necessarily um, not necessarily the most uh, bright conversation around some of these or, or hopeful necessarily with climate change, food security and all these challenges we're facing. I'd like to maybe uh, open things up a bit and, and see what you see what your thoughts are, are on where we're, where we're headed and some things that are going well, some things you think you, if you maybe look into the crystal ball five or 10 years, something you say that's going to come to pass. It's a really good development for the region, something that uh, you're hopeful about uh, where you think maybe there's an opportunity for something good to be realized. Anything that comes to mind? Yeah. Um, two or three things I would say. Uh, the first one, of course, uh, we need to focus much more on finance, but not necessarily on the availability of the finance. I mean, the money is there. Um, plenty of uh, financial institutions have pledges, uh, have pledge of, uh, let's say, billion dollars, hundred million of dollars, including our investment partners. But there are uh, a lack of, uh, or there's a lack of uh, pipeline down the road to really fit to that kind of uh, demand or appetite coming from financial institutions. So if you can focus so much on developing that kind of pipeline, work together with uh, farmers, aggregator, processing facility, could be mills, could be uh, factories uh, uh, on the ground, I think we can find some uh, good uh, elements uh, of uh, such pipelines. We have already uh, shown uh, in Indonesia and in some other countries in Asia some successful uh, deals, for instance, like $12 million of processing facility uh, with sustainable palm oil that, uh, ensuring, that is ensuring uh, the coverage of independent smallholders. Because uh, the financial institution will not, like I, I mentioned earlier, will not invest directly in independent smallholders, but through this kind of uh, investment to uh, the mills, uh, then uh, with the mills improvement, they can cover much more independent smallholders. As a trade off, the smallholders can uh, provide more uh, as well as meeting the, uh, the standard of uh, sustainability, RSPO, ESPO, or what have you. Uh, I think that kind of uh, uh, pipeline development would be key in, in, in our view. We need to focus on certain commodities, maybe two or three, uh, that are being cultivated uh, quite widely across uh, Asia because then farmers, producers, and companies can learn from each other, including also governments. Palm oil, for instance, Indonesia, Malaysia, and Thailand are doing so. Uh, maybe rice and corn uh, in, in many areas in Asia, they are also producing uh, quite similarly. Uh, but I think we also need to uh, find ways to support locally produced crops, uh, Duke, because the ticket size may be not necessarily big, but if you uh, provide support and then uh, you get uh, straight, straight away uh, outputs and results, farmers would be uh, having this kind of sense that they got help uh, right away. This could uh, include uh, the crops like horticulture, fruits, uh, spices that are also uh, contributing to crop diversification and climate change resiliency. So uh, we need to find uh, that kind of uh, model that can combine uh, big commodities or big crops uh, that are cultivated across Asia, but also with uh, some local uh, type of context in which then you really, really addressing, uh, are addressing uh, options or, or supporting options for farmers uh, locally. 
So this can be done at local level and then, then elevated at the regional level, provinces or state, and then of course, country level and inter uh, you know countries uh, level uh, in Asia. Hopefully with that, we can uh, see some uh, light at the end of the tunnel um, in that regard. No, great answer. And I think that's something we'll hear more about with, with trade disruption right now. I was reconsidering some of the diverse, as you mentioned, some of the crops that are being grown. So thank you for all this. This has been this has been very enlightening and uh, and we appreciate again you making time. With the fifth question, you're officially off the five good questions hot seat. So we appreciate you doing this today, Katrina, and we look forward to hopefully talking again soon. Thank you. And my pleasure, Duke. Hopefully we can contribute together to transforming sustainable agriculture in Asia. Thank you so much. Sounds great. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, please rate, review, and subscribe. We look forward to bringing you another five good questions interview. 